Hello and welcome to this edition of the SportsCrave.com. I am your host, Noah Miller, with TSC Network, the SportsCrave.com, at the SportsCrave on Twitter, and the SportsCrave on Facebook. Again, I'm your host, Noah Miller. You can follow me on Twitter at TSC Noah Miller, and I'm joined by my special guest and also my co-host, Michael Guido. How you doing, Mike? Hey, Noah, what's up? I'm doing very well on this Monday afternoon. How about yourself? Oh, man, it's doing great, doing great. Uh, you know, it's a Monday, and, you know, everything is, you know, long and dreadful, but, you know, you got to get to it. First day back to school after a two-week break, and I'm ready. Just get diving in with some NFL topics. Again, this is TSC Network, Noah Miller, Michael Guido. Mike, what's the first topic of today's show? First episode of 2015. Go for it. All right, Noah, so today we're going to be talking about the NFL playoffs. This entire show is going to be featured around the National Football League. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be doing analysis of wild card weekend, every single game, what we thought were the keys in those games, why, what team won and what team lost. And also we're going to be talking about this upcoming weekend in the NFL divisional playoffs as everybody rushes or tries to get to Super Bowl 49. Also, we're going to be talking about the head coaching vacancies. There's currently... Four, there's currently five or six, I believe, and we're going to be talking about the available jobs and what coaches we might see going to those teams. It's 4.28 Eastern Standard Time in the United States, and we should probably have this show wrapped up around 5 p.m. Excellent, excellent, Mike. So let's get started with NFL wildcard play, wild card playoffs here on uh, TSC Network. Mike, let's start off with Arizona and Carolina. That was the first game. It was at a 4.30 game. Um, I was actually very surprised by this game. I know me and you have been riding the coattails of uh, Arizona throughout the season saying they could have had, you know, Super Bowl chances. But, you know, it didn't happen as, the, you know, the final score of that game ended up being 27-16 to with Carolina taking it. What was the key factor in, you know, the Panthers' win uh, in North Carolina? I think the question should be, what was the key factor in Arizona's loss? Because really, that changed the whole momentum of the game. If Arizona had had Carson Palmer starting, or even Drew Stanton starting, this game might have been a completely different story. But they had Ryan Lindley starting, their third-string quarterback, who really I had not heard of until late in the season. And I think that was a huge part that played into this. And also, I don't know exactly what the record was, but Arizona had some ridiculous uh, record for like the first time in 50 years where they had like the worst offense in a playoff game or something. I didn't read yeah. the record or whatever it was, but it was pretty bad. And so, uh, you know, Arizona's defense was okay, but I think the whole momentum of that game was changed because they didn't have a good quarterback. I don't think Ryan, exactly. you know, Ryan Lindley's not prove is not proven. I don't don't know who he is. So, you know, I think that was a huge part. Maybe that was the the reason why Arizona lost this game. They had Palmer. I could have seen them going a lot further in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely, Mike. You stole the words out of my mouth. But there's a cool stat that I found out looking about this game. It was that Arizona had eight first downs that whole game. Eight first downs compared to compared to Carolina that had 25 first downs. That is that is incredible. That is incredible. Wow. For a team that was ranked like number one and undefeated in the start of the season, going to the playoffs and completely choking, you can blame it on the quarterback all you want. But when you have one of the best defenses in the league and allowing 25 first downs and also just letting uh, Jonathan Stewart tear up 
the field with 123 yards and one touchdown with 24 carries, actually. Pretty uh, pretty interesting stat there. But I just definitely think that the defense was off, and also, of course, the offense was terrible, uh, Mike. So definitely the quarterback, but I definitely think they could have gathered themselves, uh, you know, in the defensive perspective, in the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no doubt that Arizona had a great defense led by Todd Bowles, who we're actually going to be talking about in a minute here. But back to the point, um, you know what, I think Carolina played a great game because I think they felt that they walked into this with a chip on their, on their shoulder that nobody really gave them a shot to win this game. Everybody was kind of saying, even though Arizona didn't have a quarterback, they were still going to win this game because it was Arizona. So I think a huge part of this was because they were motivated to prove that they were a legit team and that they could go farther and that their regular season record didn't really mean anything when it came playoff time. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, it was sad to see this team with so much potential and great players. Maybe uh, Larry Fitzgerald last game, as he said, that his future is, um, you know, unexpected and un- unclarified. Uh, going into next season, so we do not know where Larry Fitzgerald will be ending up. Uh, you know, it's kind of uh, kind of makes you wonder, Mike. But moving on here, we have the next game that was Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. Baltimore heading to Pittsburgh to play at Heinz Field, and they took the win, thirty to seventeen. I know that we were watching this game, Mike. What was your overall? opinion on this game uh, as a Steelers fan and supporter just viewing it from the outside and looking in well there's a lot of things that I can take away from this game personally and as a sports writer um, for one thing I think the whole perspective of the game was changed um, that Le'Veon did not did not play for the Steelers and it really seemed like the Steelers didn't have a game plan centered around if Bell did not play you know what I mean? And, you know, when you're a team, especially heading into the playoffs against a familiar foe, you shouldn't just have one center game plan around one star because anything can change in sports. One week you could have the best running back in the NFL. The next week he could be out with a knee injury. So I don't. it didn't look like that they had a game plan ready for Ben Tate, who was signed on Tuesday, but even still, within a week, there should have been a little bit of a changing in their style of play. Also, what you have to keep in mind was that overall, the Steelers just did not play a good game. Their offense did not look good as that game went on. As I've said to many other people, uh, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger looked more and more shaky. He looked more and more uncomfortable and confused as the game went on. And I think their offensive line was not up to standards. I think that they looked... They um they had the Ben was more under pressure because Baltimore's line was getting to him more and also when going over to the defense side of it I think the Steelers defense was not on top I think everybody uh, kind of gave a realization a sense of reality to Steelers fans that some of those older guys such as Paul Amalu and Kiesel and Harrison are all on their last legs and they looked very slow their corners were getting burned. And overall, Baltimore just played a great game. You know, aside from all the excuses you can make as a Steelers fan, and just from looking at it from a Steelers perspective, Baltimore played a great game. Their offense was on top. Their defense was outstanding. They showed that they were the better team. And that's really my analysis, what I took away from that game. Yeah, I definitely think Ben Roethlisberger wasn't on either. Two interceptions and only one touchdown. But uh, there was some uh, crazy maybe bold, maybe insane comments from Coach Harbaugh saying that Joe Flacco, after this playoff game, is the best quarterback in the NFL currently. 
Mike, sound off with that bold opinion and bold statement after the game. I don't believe that um, Joe Flacco is the best quarterback in the NFL. I won't deny that he may be one of the best uh, playoff quarterbacks in the NFL, but overall, probably not. If I had to say who one of the best um, NFL quarterbacks are, I'd probably have to say Tom Brady's at the top, Aaron Rodgers is at the top, Ben Roethlisberger, when he's on his game, is at the top. Um, you know, even some of those running quarterbacks, um, Kaepernick, I think, is still an elite quarterback. Depends on who San Francisco hires as their next head coach, but still, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, Joe Flacco is probably in the top ten, but I wouldn't say he's in the top five. But if we're talking on a playoff on a playoff um, plate, when he's in the playoffs, he's a tremendous quarterback. You know, he's the type of guy that if uh, you know this is a one, this is an um, well talked about debate between me and some other people is if we had to have one playoff quarterback to save the free world, who would you take? I'd maybe put Flacco up there. He's proven himself recently in the playoffs. But overall, I don't think he's one of the top five NFL quarterbacks. Do you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, definitely. But I think he's one of the best quarterbacks that can handle pressure, Mike. I definitely uh, can support that, but not the best quarterback in the league. I think Tom Brady's up there. Peyton Manning's up there. Even Ben Roethlisberger is up there. But uh, moving on to the next game, Mike, we're going to talk Detroit-Dallas which was a pretty surprising game, if you ask me. A lot of uh, refs' refs calls were kind of uh, whacked. But, uh, Mike, what was your opinion on Dallas versus uh, the Detroit Lions? You know what? I thought that that game just came down to bad officiating. I think Detroit should have had that game. But in the end, there was a lot of bad calls in the last 10 minutes of that game that destroyed Detroit's chances. I mean, that was really the major takeaway I had from the game. You know, even Detroit, you know, Dallas gave Detroit chances at the end when uh, when that, um, I think it was Stafford was stripped of the football and that, um, that defensive player for Dallas got it and then he fumbled and Detroit got it back. Um, you know, I kind of sensed that just knowing how sports works, that that would be a game changer and Detroit would go down the field and win it. But even the refs managed to make sure that didn't happen. So my takeaway from that game was that that was just a bad officiating. I thought Detroit played a great game. It seemed like to me Dallas was not on in the first half, and even towards the end of that game was still shaky. So really, I take it away as Dallas should look back at this game as if they got very lucky and should prepare very hard for a tough Green Bay team this weekend. Definitely, Mike. But this is – you can say all what, all what you want about you know the refs call and everything, but the thing is in that fourth quarter they let 10 – 10 uh, points, and they didn't even score at all in that fourth quarter. But here's the thing, Mike. They had many chances, many chances to move the, down the field and win this game. We can't re- we can't count on one bad call to determine, you know, their, uh, their future uh, in the playoffs. You know what I mean, Mike? They had plenty of opportunities, and they could have, you know, benefited. But I think they choked, Mike. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I guess I'm in that style of people that will always try to blame the refs at every turn. Um, you, you know what, really, overall, I think Detroit played a great game. I think that they got robbed at the end. I won't deny that. But, I mean, you can also make the point that um, Dallas did, um, you know, hold their ground in the last couple minutes of that game, especially after Detroit got the ball back and everybody kind of sensed that maybe Detroit was going to come back and win it. Detroit stood their ground. And uh, so, you know, I'll, you know, I'll give it credit, but still, I, I will still hold to D- 
Detroit maybe got Detroit got a little roughed over by the refs to put in the best terms I can. Yes, definitely. I, I can agree with you there. But the thing is, you know, looking at the stats right now, they were four for eleven for third down and efficiency. Not that great compared to six and fourteen. Dallas, I mean, both teams were not that great on third down, but still, um, you know, Detroit didn't. They had many opportunities. They had their interception th- from Stafford. There, there was just there's a bunch of opportunities where they could have, you know, pulled through, but obviously they didn't. And the Cowboys won twenty four to twenty. Mike, what is one word that describes this Bengals loss? Was it surprising, unsurprising? What do you? What's one word that explains this game? Uh, it, I'd say Dalton. Andy Dalton, general, the quarterback for Cincinnati. Um, just to look at it from the perspective, I was not surprised at all with the result of this game. I knew going into this, Cincinnati was going to lose. A lot of other people knew they were going to lose. You know, Cincinnati hasn't won a playoff game in 24 years. You know, they're not that good in the playoffs. Marvin Lewis, their head coach, Andy Dalton, their quarterback, are known for being choke artists, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And um, I was not surprised about this game. You know, and of course, um, Cincinnati was playing without A.J. Green, they're one of their best players and maybe one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And the fact that they were playing Indian, in Indianapolis against a really good Indianapolis team, um, really, the, was the final ending, the result was not surprising to me. Yes, definitely. Uh, Cincinnati was a choke artist in that second half. Zero points in the third quarter, zero points in the fourth quarter, and then Indiana just destroyed them in the third quarter with 10 points, and then in the fourth quarter they got a field goal. I am very, very surprised. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go off a little bit. I'm going to go. I'm going to catch back with you know the uh, Indianapolis Colts win, but I'm going to you know, I'm going to point out something here. T. Y. Hilton is amazing, Mike. He can be an elite wide receiver in a couple years. 103 yards, six receptions. He used to lead in the midseason. Used to lead it in uh, receiving yards. He had great games. This guy, this guy is insane, Mike. So, uh, oh, absolutely. You definitely have to watch out for him in the playoffs. But Andrew Luck, my man, Andrew Luck, three hundred and seventy-six yards, one touchdown. Great game from him. Also, a great running game from uh, Heron, uh, fifty-six yards, one touchdown. But uh, it was definitely a choke, choked game by. Uh, uh, the Bengals and also uh, AJ Green. AJ Green sat out, which was uh, not even surprising since he got hurt and had that concussion. But that was another key factor, which actually kind of made this Bengals uh, team lose. Wouldn't just blame it on one player, but if we're gonna blame Le'Veon Bell for the Pittsburgh's loss, we can blame it on you know the star wide receiver AJ Green. Any other thoughts? No, I mean, you brought up a great point there in, um, in Hilton. He's a great young wide receiver. He's a great threat for Andrew Luck, who I think Andrew Luck deserves to be talked about as a good quarterback. He could be in the top ten and maybe work his way up to the top five someday. I don't know if he's there yet, but definitely could work his way up there. Overall, I think it was just one of those games when people saw what the schedule looked like for the wild card and they saw that everybody just kind of said, oh, I'm probably going to watch that for like the first quarter, maybe up until halftime, but I know what the end result's going to be. And we move on. That's it for uh, Wild Card Weekend. We're moving on to week 19 of the um, going on to the playoffs. 
We have the Ravens, Patriots, Cowboys, Packers, Panthers, Seahawks, and Colts and Broncos. Let's start off with Ravens and Patriots. Mike, overview of this game and where do you think this game will end up in whose favor? You know what? I think this is going to be one of the best games of the playoffs this year because Baltimore and New England are so tough in the playoffs, and every time they play each other in the playoffs, it gets everybody excited because everybody knows that this can either this could go three ways. It could go very heavily in Baltimore's favor, it could go very heavily in New England's favor, or it can go it can be a really close game up until the end. Um, but really, I'm going to say that New England's going to pull it out this time. I know the last couple of times Baltimore's gone to New England, they've won. But really, I feel that Tom Brady has been very good this year after early season struggles. He has greatly improved himself as a quarterback. And really, I think he's got the team, he's got the Patriots clicking on all cylinders right now. The reason why I say Baltimore's not going to win is because I think against Pittsburgh, they, you know, they played a team that was a little more broken down and maybe felt a little superior in a sense. They'll go into New England with that same feeling. But I think the Patriots, um, Tom Brady's obviously been around a lot longer than Joe Flacco. I think he'll outduel him. I think that Brady will be able to rally his troops around a little more. And so I see New England pulling this out, especially um, New England's defense, which has been improving over the last couple of weeks. Yes, definitely. Uh the Patriots' offense is just unstoppable. I think, and they're just gonna. I think it's going to go into the second half. It's going to be tied in halftime, and then you know, Patriots just destroy them in the second half. That's just my opinion. Uh, Tom Tom Brady, as you said, has been running on full cylinders. I like how you worded that. That was a really good, uh, um, you know, phrase per se. But uh, yeah, I definitely see you know Tom Brady and the offense pulling it through, as well as the defense. Yeah, as you said. It is improving. And now moving on to uh, the Panthers and Seahawks. I know me and Mike are riding on this team to go to the Super Bowl. Mike, why don't you reveal who this team is that we have been riding on to go to the playoffs this year, or the Super Bowl this year, as is Panthers versus uh, Seahawks at 8-15 on Saturday night. Well, the team we've been riding is the defending Super Bowl champions, the Seattle Seahawks, led by head coach Pete Carroll and quarterback Russell Wilson, running back Marshawn Lynch, and <laughs> cornerback Richard Sherman. Um, Seattle was my early season prediction to repeat as Super Bowl champions simply because I believe that coming off the hype, they would be an even better team. A lot of times teams coming off a Super Bowl win, they tend to uh, digress in their second year. But I, think Se- I thought Seattle was going to only pick it up this year and I think um, even though they did digress a little bit in the regular season, they are going to pick it up in the playoffs. You know, they've been here before. They're hungry for a repeat. And in this game, Seattle and Carolina, I just think Carolina's lucky to be in the playoffs. I don't think that they should have made the playoffs, nor do I think anybody from the NFC South should have made the playoffs per se. So I think that, I think that Seattle excuse me, is going to... Um, just destroy Carolina. The game's in Seattle, loudest stadium in the NFL. They're going to just taunt the Panthers nonstop. Carolina's um, defensive line is going to go after Cam Newton, and the cornerbacks led by Sherman are going to be all over the wide receivers. Excellent, yes. Uh, me and you, of course, have been riding this Seahawks team, and I definitely believe that this team will you know, come out with the win, but I think it's going to be close, Mike. I think it's going to be close. Cam Newton's going to guide that offense, even though that offensive line struggles, but they're going to, you know, keep running and keep going 
using that run with Jonathan Stewart as he had a great game against the Arizona Cardinals. A good defense, Mike. That's the thing. They played a great defense, and you know they came out on top. So I think Cam Newton's going to have a good game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of offense, a lot of run- rushing, though, a lot of running. So, um, But I definitely think that their defense can stop it. They have a great... Um, great middle linebackers, outside linebackers, and you know the defensive line is good in Seattle, and also you know the secondary. But I'm actually going to predict that the Seahawks team's in a struggle a little bit on offense. Um, Russell Wilson's you know back in the playoffs. Let's see how he does. But I'm predicting a little bit of struggle, but they're going to pull out through. So Sunday, January 11th, we have the Cowboys and Packers. A really close game there, you know, second and third seed. And then we also we have the Broncos and Colts. Ooh, it's going to be a good one there. All right, Mike, who do you have for Green Bay versus the Dallas Cowboys? Who do you got, Mike? Um, I've got Green Bay taking this simply because I am one that likes to side with home field advantage. The team that's playing at home, um, you know, depends on the weather, depends on the atmosphere. And this game's going to be played at Lambeau Field in Green Bay in January, it's probably the weather's probably going to be really bad. Probably going to be snowing, very you know below freezing or near it. Um, you know maybe even to the teens, maybe. And you know Green Bay's fans are the maybe the most ravenous fan base in the NFL, maybe in professional sports. And we've seen it in the past where teams have gone into Green Bay and just have stunk. You know, and I I don't think Dallas wants to be re- reminded of the last time they played a playoff game in Green Bay. Um, did not end well for them. It was back in the late 60s. It was the Ice Bowl, the infamous Ice Bowl. Um, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with now, but just saying teams previously have had a history of going into Lambeau in January and not producing great results, especially teams that play in warmer climates. Example would be Dallas, you know, playing in Texas, San Francisco playing out in California when they came in in the late 90s and had to play Green Bay. Um, I believe it was for the NFC Championship game in 96. Um, so I, I'm going to side with Green Bay in this, and plus I just believe Green Bay is the better team. They have the better quarterback, and they have the they have the better coaching, and they've just got overall the better team. I gotta agree with you. I just think that Dallas can't pull through and win this game. I think their offense will fall apart. The defense will fall apart. Tony Romo will fall apart, <laughs> even though he already has been falling apart with injuries. But uh, yeah, I just I just can't see this team winning again. I mean, it was close, close in De- with Detroit. But yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers will come through. You know, he's had some struggles like last game in Detroit, but uh, definitely, I definitely think that this team could uh, pull through. Jordy Nelson has been on lately, and then the Packers' defense, of course, and as uh, as you mentioned, the climate, and that's a, that's a big thing. So uh, definitely have Detroit, or not Detroit, uh, Green Bay pulling it out against the Cowboys. And now the last game before we talk some coaching. Um, coaching predictions for the next year uh we have Colts and Broncos I have Broncos I'm gonna explain why I definitely think that the Broncos can come through Peyton Manning can come through because Peyton Manning uh you know has some playoff experience and you know he doesn't have the greatest uh playoff reputation but I definitely think this Broncos team has you know the better the you know has the better team and overall uh all-around team and uh, skills. So I definitely think the Broncos can take that against the Indianapolis Colts. Mike, what do you think? 
Well, no, this was the one that I wanted to talk about so badly because I got to disagree with you on this one. I think Indianapolis is going to pull the upset of the year, and they're going to beat Denver in mile high. Now, here's the reason why I say that. It takes me back to Peyton Manning. Over the course of the season, Peyton has been in a steady decline physically and in game motion. You know, he's become slower. His throws are not as strong. He's not as accurate anymore. The game, I think, is starting to pass him up, and I think you're going to see this in the playoffs. Indianapolis have, has a great defense, and I think that they're going to be putting, trying to put a lot of pressure on Peyton um, on the line. And I think those cornerbacks are going to be really tight on some of their wide receivers, especially Wes Welker, and they're going to try and put Peyton in a hole. Peyton already, like I said, he's been struggling trying to trying to throw in corners. He's been struggling to throw those tight balls. His, his spiral has become looser, and so I think he's going to have a tough time. Now, I don't think this is going to be a complete blowout. I do think any, I think this is going to be a really close game, and it's going to come down to the last five minutes or so of the game, maybe even to it will be decided by a field goal or a touchdown or a safety. You never know. But my pick is that Indianapolis is going to win this one very closely, and I have a feeling this could be Peyton's last game, playoff game. All right, man. As the, you know, the famous saying goes, we agree to disagree. I just definitely think that the Broncos team has an overall better team, even if with uh, Peyton Manning struggling. But uh, that's basically it for this playoffs. Week 19 coming up, you know, Ravens, Patriots, Cowboys, Packers, Panthers, Seahawks, Cow uh, Colts, and uh, Broncos. We have NFL jobs, you know, up for a grab so uh name the candidates what, what candidates do you think uh will uh you know take their spots as these teams have open rules well right now let's just go over the coaching vacancies we've got the atlanta falcons who i believe went seven and nine this year under head coach mike smith he was fired buffalo bills went nine and seven this year it was their first winning season in 10 years yet head coach doug marone opted out of his contract um believe because he was upset that he didn't have enough personnel power as GM, I forget what the GM's name is, is he had. Chicago, uh, Mark Tressman was fired after a 5-11 and season. New York Jets, uh, head coach Rex Ryan was fired after a 4-12 and season. He had been there for six or seven seasons. And then in San Francisco, or excuse me, in Oakland, I forgot about Oakland, Dennis Allen was fired after an 0-4 star replaced by former Miami Dolphins head coach Tony Sperano who was the interim coach for the rest of the year. Oakland finished the year 2-14, and second tied for the worst record in the league. Or they were, yeah, 2-14. and And then in San Francisco, Jim Harbaugh leaving to take the head coaching job at his alma mater at Michigan in Ann Arbor. So to go down the list of my choices to fill each of these roles, I think um, Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator Todd Bowles is going to take the Atlanta job. And the reason I say that is because um, Bowles has been linked to a lot of head coaching jobs, but none more than Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's got a really good team. They've already got an established quarterback there in Matt Ryan. This was a team that only went to the NFC Championship game two years ago and had a 13-3 and record. The talent's there. Um, a little more help on defense could be used and maybe a little more wide receiver depth. But other than that, Todd Bowles could – this is a situation where Bowles could go in and win quickly. In Buffalo, um, I got two guys either going there, Frank Reich, um, the San Diego Chargers offensive coordinator, formerly the 
backup quarterback to Jim Kelly during the Super Bowl years in Buffalo, fan favorite there, or Jim Schwartz, the former Detroit Lions head coach, now defensive coordinator in Buffalo. He's been tied to that job. There's a lot of interest there, again, with the previous head coaching experience. In Chicago, there's not a lot of names floating around right there, but i got to say that former Washington Redskins, former Denver Broncos, and former Oakland Raiders head coach or L.A. Raiders coach Mike Shanahan will take that job. He's got previous experience, and he it seems like Shanahan wants to get back into the coaching game, and this could be a perfect opportunity in Chicago. He's got a quarterback there, and uh, he's got a quarterback there, Jay Cutler, that he could work with. That I believe he worked with in Denver. It was either him or Kyle Orton. So Shan I could see Shanahan going to Chicago and you know turning that team around, having a few good years there. With the New York Jets, I am hearing there's a lot going around that former Bills coach Doug Marone is being linked to this job. New York definitely scheduling an interview there, so I see Marone taking the Jets job. In Oakland, I either see defensive coordinator, formerly Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Jack Del Rio, getting a good shot there, helping rebuild that, or even Tony Sperano, the interim coach, being given the removing the interim tag and being the permanent man. And then lastly, in San Francisco, pulling this one out, I see Rex Ryan taking the 49ers job. There's been some interest there. Rex, of course. I think, you know what, I think Rex overall had an okay stint in, in New York, um, being a first-time head coach and having a lot to lot of bad quarterbacks to put up with. I think he had a pretty he had a he had a pretty good stint. He was only a couple games under five hundred, so that could definitely be an option to go to San Francisco, work with an established quarterback in Colin Kaepernick, a pretty established offense and a you know pretty good defense. Definitely, Mike. We're running uh, short on time, so let's wrap it up. You know, do our little self-promotion at the end of the show. I'm Noah Miller, your host. Uh, I'm the president and founder of the SportsGrave.com TSC Network, the SportsGrave on Twitter, the SportsGrave on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. That is at TSC Noah Miller, and also my co-host Michael. Where can we find you? Well, you can find me to. Uh few different places. You can find me on Twitter at the Mike Guido 2K. It's the ad symbol the and then Mike Guido 2K, the number two letter K. Um, if you've got any questions, comments, or concerns, just email me Mike Guido TSC at gmail.com. Again, that's Mike Guido TSC at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, send me a friend request, and we can talk all the sports you want. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Michael Guido, and of course you can find me at the all right, Mike, this is uh, episode one of TSC Network of 2015. I am your host, Noah Miller, my co-host, Michael Guido. We are signing off. See you next week.